0: That's Dr. Emily Towns. She's an American Baptist clergywoman, and she is also dean of the Divinity School at Vanderbilt University. Our scripture passage this morning is the first five verses of the Bible, Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. While a wind from God swept over the face of the waters, then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Amen. On Thursday morning of this week, I was waking up, drinking my coffee, taking in some morning news when a video of a landslide from Norway popped up on my screen. Did you see it? It was a 2,000-foot landslide that swept eight homes into the sea. Now, I'm 50 years old, and I've seen a video of a landslide before, but this one stopped me in my tracks. It was mesmerizing, and I think it was mesmerizing to me because the eye of my soul was watching this video also. A landslide is much how I've experienced the year 2020. COVID-19, sheltering in place, Millions of Americans unemployed and in need of food. My young adult children forced to live at home again. The violent and very visible deaths of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. Multi-day global protests and riots and under our own roof we've had a few health scares in our family. The truth of the matter for me is I'm having a hard time finding stable ground these days. On my better days, I'm unsettled. And on my worst days, I'm depressed or afraid. What's with this mess? One of my favorite Old Testament scholars is Walter Brueggemann. And Brueggemann teaches that Genesis 1 is a poetic narrative. It's a poem with an important story. We have in Genesis 1 both beauty and meaning. And what might be most significant to us right now is that this poetic story was originally written for a people in exile. It was written in the 6th century BCE when God's people were taken as captives by the Babylonians and enslaved. Now, the Babylonians had a very popular story of creation. It's titled Enuma Elish, after the first two words of their creation story. I one time heard theologian Pete Enns sum up Enuma Elish like this. He said, it's about a highly dysfunctional family, who's engaged in a major power struggle at the dawn of time. It's a story worth telling. Marduk, who is the hero of the story or the villain, it's murky. Marduk kills, he fillets his great-great-great-grandmother, Tiamat. He slices her in two to create the sky and the earth. Then Marduk Claims the throne of the world for his own, he seizes the power, and he makes all of humankind into slaves to keep them from bothering the gods. Enuma Elish is a violent story, it's an oppressive story, it's a story of control. But I'm sad to say it's a familiar story. It still seeps into my world and finds expression. What captivates my imagination is that when the people who called themselves God's own people heard this story, well, they shook their head in disbelief. And they said, no, 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 no. That is not the truth about God, and that is not the truth about us. None of us are slaves, not a one of us. Write this down. And they told a story that begins with nothing. It begins with chaos, quite simply because sometimes our experience is a formless void of a world. That was the story of the people who were carried off into exile 2,600 years ago, and it's still sometimes our story today. A disaster does not mean that the end is near. A disaster sometimes is the beginning. It's taken me a while to learn this, and really, I'm still learning it. A while back, my spiritual director gave me a very difficult assignment. She said, this week, this week, just leave something undone in your immediate environment every day, like leave a bed undone or dirty dishes in the sink or dirty clothes on the floor. I hated that week. It was like kryptonite. Those things were like kryptonite is to Superman for me. But a mess is also a reminder. A mess is a reminder that there's potential. I hate to admit it, but possibilities are simply multiplied in clutter. And the promise of the opening lines of the Bible, the very good news is that God works creatively in a mess. There is hope in a mess. Now, pay special attention to the way that God works in Genesis chapter 1. It's not the way of the Babylonian god Marduk. There are no swords, there's no death, there's no control, there's no restraint. God speaks, God calls, God invites creation into being. Repeated are the words, let there be. Let there be light, let there be a dome, dry land, vegetation. Let there be the sun, moon, and stars, and creatures, and let there be humankind. And each time, each time it is so, What is invited by the creator comes into being. Brueggemann says this is not a must-be creation. This is a let-be creation. This is life in its fullness. Life is gathered. Life is brought forth. Life fills and multiplies, and it works. Creation is repeatedly evaluated, named, one might even say blessed, as God. Good. And at the very end of this creation story, there is an ending evaluation of very good. In verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. One scene in this poetic narrative that gets a lot of play is the creation of humankind. In verse 27, humankind is created in the image of God and given dominion. Over the earth. I know this isn't news to you. You've heard it before, but what gets left out is the call to exercise power or dominion. That call to exercise power and dominion is to duplicate the way that God exercises power and dominion. Dominion is not domination, dominion is inviting and evoking and permitting. When I was in high school, I worked in a small business in, the cl- in a clothing store in the town where I grew up. Most every day that I worked, the owner of the store was with me there. It was my job to do the menial tasks in the store, to sweep the floors, to hang up the clothes, to clean out the dressing rooms, to wash the windows. Not in my job description, but I think equally as important was to watch the owner of the store, to watch Della, that was her name. So on the rare occasion that Della would leave the store and put me in charge, I knew what to do. Pay attention for the front doorbell, welcome the customers, help the customers, and sometimes stay out of the way of the customers Never did I think when Della left the store for a few minutes to go down to the Texas burger to get an iced tea, never did I think I don't know what to do. I knew what to do. The instructions were simple. Do it the way I do it. And that's the guidance of Genesis chapter 1. Humankind do power the way that the creator does power. Invite. Develop. Make space for another. There's an 18th century rabbinic doctrine that's called Zimzum. And Zimzum literally means reduction. It is based on these first few lines of the Bible. And Jewish and Christian philosophers who still teach Zimzum imagine that the original light of the Creator was so Vast. It was so great that it could not be perceived. It was without limits and boundaries. So God limits. God contracts God's original light. And then the light that remains is limited enough to be visible to creation. God reduces God's self to make space for us, to make space for creation. I've heard Richard Rohr say, That the longer that he lives, the more he is struck by how humble God must be. Isn't that the truth of the matter? The image of strength that we get in Jesus is closer to powerlessness than it is is to power. But here's the thing. I find that I have to be on guard because Marduk the reigning God of the Babylonian story, Marduk is stealth and he's sneaky and he really wants in my Bible and he really wants in my life. He tells me that I have to tightly grip power and keep things under control. But tightly gripping power and privilege has never been the way of the faithful, quite simply because it's not faith. I hope that you've seen the vision statement of this congregation. It goes like this. Alamo Heights United Methodist Church is a Christian community of love, hope, and belonging for all people. A Christian community of love, hope, and belonging for all people. Church, one could say that now is the time to invite others in. Now is the time that we are to surrender power and privilege, and that's true, it is, but it's always been that time for the faithful. Invitation and surrender of power and privilege has always been the call of the church. It was yesterday, it is today, and it will always be.